we were, I mean, we had no real idea how many people would come to this. You know, you can start, you can, because we're not selling tickets. So we don't know. We were like, oh, maybe 300 people, you know, maybe it'll be 300 people. And it was, I mean, packed out. It was such a small space for it. We had no idea. Um, Probably a thousand. I think maybe a thousand or twelve hundred people came to the first one, which we were just blown away, and it was so oh my God. it felt really positive. Everybody was just super excited, like people were just super pumped, and it just felt really weird to have people just be so on board with something that we were doing, and we spent so much time working, and it just it was great. an executive director and the director of vendor relations at Atlanta Veg Fest, uh, which is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to support community and promote the benefits of vegan and plant-based lifestyle founded in compassion for animals, people, and the environment. For most of you who live in Atlanta, you probably have heard or attended Atlanta Veg Fest. Uh, there is one that's coming up on Saturday, November 9th, and I hope to see you all there. But I've attended it a few years in a row now, and it always made me curious. I mean, it's such a huge event with thousands of people attending, tons of vendors coming together, speakers from all over the states coming to speak about um, ethical veganism or the, the benefits of plant-based nutrition. But I was always curious, what who who are these people? Who are the people behind the, the whole thing? And uh, I was lucky enough uh, several months ago now to meet Lee um, at one of the vegan lady boss meetings here. And I was really curious and I wanted to talk to her about what what did it, what does it look like behind the scenes? How did she come up with the idea or how much effort does it take to pull something like this together? So I was really excited she said yes and uh, this interview is the result of our conversation. Lee talks about her vegan journey. She talks about how Atlanta Veg Fast idea first popped on her plate and the progression really, like what what was the progress from the very first Atlanta Veg Fast that took place in 2012 to today, um, to the Veg Fast of the 2019 that is going to be the biggest one today. They, they really, really expanded almost double the size from last year. It's going to be, there will be over 140, I think 140 or 150 vendors. It's going to be the humongous venue with thousands of people and to give you perspective um, this year's Atlanta Veg Fest is taking place in Infinite Arena uh, Infinite Energy Arena that's where Tony Robbins came last time so yes this is definitely the year of the vegan and I hope you enjoyed our conversation and I hope to see you at the Veg Fest on Saturday bring yourself and at least one non-vegan friend and uh, let's change the world together enjoy the show Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Follow Your Kind Podcast. I'm grateful that you have joined. And today on the show we have Lee Suluzi, um, who is an executive director and director of vendor relationships in, uh, with Atlanta VegFast, as uh, well as a few other gigs that we will dive into a little bit later in the episode. But I'm really excited to have Lee on the show today and uh, talk about her journey her advocacy, as well as Atlanta Veg Fest that's, that's coming up very soon. Um, and uh, yeah, welcome to the show, Lee. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining. Uh, as we just chatted a little bit before, I'm sure it's really busy time for you right now with just a little bit of time uh, left before Atlanta Veg Fest that's taken a whole different scale this year. Oh yeah, yeah. We're we're at crunch time right now. We're about uh, two weeks out, and yeah, yeah. We we've got a lot on our plates right now um, because we did move to a much larger location this year. We've doubled our number of uh, vendor spaces, and we just it's it's just a whole new set of moving parts this year. But it's really exciting. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It just makes my heart uh, so happy to know that this movement is expanding and that the even the event, the local events are getting bigger, better, more exciting. Um, okay, so I don't want to spend too much time talking about that. I know we'll talk about Atlanta Veg Fest in just a little bit, but I want to start with your story. Um, tell us where you're from and how did your vegan journey begin? Oh, how did my my vegan journey began? Um, I guess like most people's 
do where there was a seed planted, I guess. Um, I, the seed for me uh, was planted in 1992. I was 17 years old. I was in high school. And uh, I lived in Mableton, Georgia. And I was working at a pizza place. I was working at a Little Caesars. And I worked with a lot of friends there. And I remember I would just, we would all, you know, we're teenagers, we're hungry, we were always eating. We worked at a pizza place and, you know, nobody gained any weight and everything was, everything was rainbow and unicorns. And I remember like just eating pepperoni straight off the line, you know, all the time because we were hungry. And I remember a friend who worked there said, you know, you know what that's made out of, right? And I did what a lot of people do. Oh, don't tell me, ha ha, you know. We we all know that meat is made out of animals, but you know we don't talk about it very much. You know, especially with our kids. Yeah. And he's like, no, really, it's like parts. It's like extra parts. And he kept elaborating. And he used a word I won't use on your podcast because I don't know you don't want cursing on here. But he's like, it's like lips and other things. You know. And and I was like, ew, gross. And we didn't talk about it again. But it kept sitting in my head. And I I kept thinking, you know, if if it grosses me out to eat like spare parts from an animal, like why would I be okay with eating another part of an animal that's considered a better cut of the animal? Hmm. And it just, it just sat with me for a long time. And it's weird as a kid, you know, just sitting here thinking about it going, why do I want to eat? And I was like, maybe I should just eat other things. And uh, shortly after that, um, my, uh, unrelated kind of weird story but I I ended up emancipating from my family and living on my own um, for my senior year of high school so I was going to high school working a part-time job and trying to figure out how to be vegetarian and I had no clue what I was doing Um, so I didn't know how to feed myself I was basically just like eating bread I would be like I guess I'll have a peanut butter sandwich which is fine but I just I jumped into it with no nutritional information And I would buy, I remember buying vegetarian times magazines and like writing some of the companies in the back classified section for information. And they would mail me like, I would get mailed pamphlets uh, from organizations and then recipe books. And, and I would just look at it and go, yeah, that's great. I don't have money to buy any of these things, you know? So it was, it was interesting that the, my socioeconomic status really made it a difficult journey for me in the beginning to the point where I just, I, I sometimes wasn't a perfect vegetarian. I would eat non-vegetarian things because I was hungry and I didn't know what else to do, mm-hmm. but I knew that I felt terrible about it. And the more I learned, the more I got older and uh, started refining it. Um, I was able to completely get rid of meat out of my diet. And then uh, I started learning about, uh, dairy and egg industry, which is, of course, you know, when you start reading up on the realities of that, it's pretty heartbreaking. Um, and I was working part time in a health food store at Life Grocery. I don't know if you're m- familiar in Marietta. No, I'm not. Uh, I, I I worked part time there in the late ni- late nineties, I guess, early two thousands. I worked there on the weekends, and I started meeting other vegetarians and vegans. Um, for the first time in my life, like I was always the weirdo of my friend group, you know, like, oh, she doesn't eat animals, whatever. Um, but once I started meeting other people who also did these things, um, it, it just felt more fluid and it was easier for me to wrap my head around, oh, I can do without eggs, I can do without cheese. And so I started kind of trying that out and feeling better too. My body felt better when I didn't eat dairy. Um, but I also felt better emotionally because I wasn't contributing to, to what I was learning about, you know, with the dairy industry. So uh, then fast forward to when I met my husband uh, in 2001, he was vegan already. And I remember him saying to me, well, all my friends are vegan. I, don't, I hardly know anybody that's not vegan besides my family. And I was like, really? <laughs> Nobody I know is vegan at all. Like you're the vegan I know, you know? And um, once we started hanging out and I started realizing there are other like regular vegans that aren't necessarily like health food people, because I wasn't, you know, I didn't necessarily like strive to be the healthiest person in the world. I was just trying to live my life and get through the day, you know, Mm -hmm. and sometimes when you dive deep into like 
health food culture, it turns into a lot of like diets and following strange rules. And it made me a little uncomfortable, some of that stuff. So when I met Ken and I met some of his friends that were just like regular people being vegan, it felt really comfortable. And I was like, oh, this makes it a lot easier. Um, So my journey from like 1992 to 2001, when I went fully vegan, from vegetarian to vegan, that's, that's a long time to process that stuff. Uh, and I know a lot of vegans kind of are hard on people if they don't just like cut out everything immediately and start diving in. And I understand where that comes from because once you start learning about all the, you know, all the suffering that goes into eating animals, you want everybody to know it and you want everybody to stop it immediately. But there are a lot of things that get in people's way. And sometimes when a seed is planted, it may take a long time to grow, but eventually, you know, it it will grow and it did. And I've been vegan since 2001. So that's amazing. And what I'm hearing is, uh, um, I think part of it is certainly, and I'm, I'm, I'm on the same, uh, the kind of in the same thought process with you. I mean, what any, any move towards, uh, the, the goal of being vegan, I think any progress in the direction is great. And it took me a while too to transition from vegetarian to vegan, but what I'm realizing right now is uh, where I can relate to you is that the, the moment where I actually made a switch uh, to being vegan, yes, it was the moment where I've had enough knowledge accumulated that dairy and fish was just, just not appropriate and was not aligned with my values at all. But at the same time, I also found myself being surrounded by people and by the community who was supportive enough of my new lifestyle that I aspired to. So I feel like community makes just as much of a difference as the knowledge that we have that motivates us to make the switch and having the people that you can relate to that are on the same path and realizing that you are not alone in this is so, so important. Yeah, and I I wouldn't have realized how important that support was until it happened. Like, instead of being in my early 20s and like choosing a honey bun from a vending machine as my breakfast and then feeling guilty about it, like having support of other people saying, no, it's okay, you can, you know, you can do other things and don't feel bad about it, you know, and then you, you learn, you learn to change your, to change your habits. And it, it is support can't be underestimated, really. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so I know a while ago we spoke, we met at the Vegan Lady Boss meeting, and uh, I think you mentioned that along your vegan journey, you also owned a vegan business before, like an online store or something? We did, yes. Uh, my husband and I started an online store in 2005 called Cosmo's Vegan Shop. We had a cat named Cosmo, um, so it's his <laughs> shop. He needed a job. Um, so we... <laughs> At the time, there there was, I mean, you couldn't walk into a Kroger and buy, like, fake meat. There was not, you couldn't, there was tofu, you know what I mean? But things have come a long way as far as products available in stores right now. So, but things were out there, and there were a few online stores that were uh, in, the, in the U.S. There was a Food Fight Grocery in Portland. There was Vegan Essentials uh, in Wisconsin. There was uh, Pangea at the time. Uh, they're somewhere up the East Coast. I forget where Virginia, maybe. Um, so there were a few, but there, but they were spread out. And we were like, well, maybe we could hold down the Southeast. Maybe we could order specialty products and sell them, and people from the Southeast wouldn't have to pay such heavy shipping charges. Because we would, we would order from like, say, Pangea. We would order Valentine's candy, you know, something fancy that you just couldn't get in Georgia at all, like dairy-free Valentine's candy. You couldn't find that in 2005, and so. We were like, well, you know, it would cost us a fortune to order stuff like that. So we we decided to start the online business, and we ran it out of our basement of our home <laughs> for the first year. And so we had jobs. We would wake up in the morning, fill orders, pack them, go to our jobs, go to the post office on our lunch break, come home, pack more orders, order more supplies. And it was it was a lot of fun. And then in uh, 2000, and I think it was 2006. We ended up, maybe it was 2007, we uh, opened our walk-in store on Highland Avenue in the Old Fourth Ward area of Atlanta. And so we had a walk-in store. And that was also super, super fun. Uh, We carried 
specialty products. Um, it wasn't necessarily a health food store, although we did carry some vegan supplements. Our, our goal was at the time to make it easier for people to find something special. If they say, if someone comes to me and says, I want to be vegan, but I couldn't give up cheese. I wanted to say, well, here's every vegan cheese that's made. Which one do you want to try? Hmm. And you know, hey, I really want to go vegan, but you know, I really love chocolate and I really don't like dark chocolate. Okay, well, here's some imported chocolates from Europe that have rice milk in them. You know, do you want to try one of those? And like, just to show them that like, even though that, that kind of stuff sounds a little fancy, it can make people feel a lot more comfortable to know that something exists other than saying, hey, you're never going to be able to have these things again. You can say, here's an alternative. It might not be affordable to have all the time, but it might be cool to get for Christmas or something, you know. And so we carried cookbooks. We carried some message shirts. And, um, yeah, it was, it was just a lot of fun. Uh, we ended up moving to a warehouse space a few years later. We grew out of the Highland Avenue location. It was, it was pretty small, although very cute. It was pretty small. Um, and so we moved to a warehouse and, and shipped mostly uh, from the warehouse. and. Um, when Daya cheese first came out, I believe that was maybe 2010, if I'm remembering correctly, we uh, were the second store in the country to carry Daya. And so people were buying Daya like it was on fire. It was so popular that we had to buy like cheese, like big bulk bags of Daya and we would spend hours repacking them into eight ounce bags so we could sell them on our website and ship them to people. We would ship them with like ice packs and, <laughs> uh, and people would send it for, I mean, people were, were writing us. It's like my, my child has a dairy allergy and for the first time they can eat, you know, a grilled cheese sandwich. Like everybody was so happy with the Daya, but it was, it encompassed our, our life and our business. Like all we did was Daya. We were like Daya store for like a good year <laughs> and a half. It was crazy. I, I smelled like Daya all the time from packing cheese. Um, and so that, uh, that took up a lot of our time and resources for like a good year and a half. And then uh, as pretty much as soon as Daya got into the stores and to, into, you know, Kroger and Publix and Whole Foods, it, it's, it, stopped and so we we started focusing on like other frozen foods we carried um some specialty uh meat analogs like maywa products um you know things you just couldn't find in georgia because at this time at like by the time 2010 came around 2011 came around there were more things popping up in the stores you know people could go to whole foods and find things and and so um yeah, we kept at it for a while, and it was a lot of fun. We really enjoyed it. We we met a lot of good people. We traveled around the country. We did some veg fests. We were vendors. Um, we went to animal rights conferences, and you know, it was it was a really good time in our lives. We really enjoyed that, and I I feel like we did help plant seeds, you know, it, both in the community and just encouraging people, um, to, you know, hoping hopefully reducing some recidivism that's so prevalent in in veganism you know, yeah. uh, just to make things a little bit more available. And um, so, yeah, it, we, we closed in 2012 and we could have kept going. It's not necessarily that we're like, we can't sell things anymore. It's just life got very hectic. Our, our, uh, our ideals changed a little bit. We, we had a child and um, I, I was funny. I thought when I was pregnant that when I had a baby, I could just strap the baby to my body and keep working like a normal person. And this is not how it works, apparently. <laughs> so I did that for a year. And then, and then I decided, you know, maybe maybe we should uh, close up shop. And, and Ken and I decided to uh, to do other things instead. So we, we closed the shop in 2012. But it was a great ride. Yeah, that sounds like so much fun. And what a what an amazing opportunity to be part of this movement so early on and as as you said i'm sure so many people have contributed have benefited from from that and having having things like that available and i'm sure like today um it's so much easier right as you said like kroger Publix, like all of the like walmart they have they have like the non-dairy cheeses and non-meat meats everywhere right now so it's much easier to find but when it wasn't like that 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I'm sure having the resource, like what you have created might, might have been crucial for some. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it really felt like it was at the time. I mean, back back in the you know early 2000s, you had to buy a pair of vegan shoes on the internet. You couldn't even go into a store and buy find shoes that didn't have some sort of leather on them. You know what I mean? So, I mean, we even sold belts and shoes at some at some point, you know, just to, <laughs> just to help people out. <laughs> so, yeah, it, things have really come a long way since then, for sure. That's really cool. Well, today you're doing things that are just as much, if not more, impactful for this community. So let's talk about Atlanta Veg Fest and kind of how that all came together and what it was before and what it is today. Sure. So um, we officially started Atlanta Veg Fest in 2012. Um, so you had no break. <laughs> A little bit. There was a little break there. But honestly, I had been, you know, running Cosmos for so long that if I was a little relieved when we closed just because I did have an infant at home and it felt like, okay, the pressure's off. But I immediately was stir crazy. I needed something to do. And I felt like I was losing my only form of advocacy uh, for the vegan movement when I closed, when, when Ken and I closed the store, because it was like, I felt like I was serving a purpose, even though it was, you know, this is retail, but I did feel like I was serving some sort of purpose within the vegan community. And all, all of a sudden that was kind of gone, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and a friend of mine had said something online somewhere on social media. Uh, she had posted a video that the ladies of our hen house made uh, about veg fest. And this was, I believe this was in late 2011 when she, she wrote me and she said, well, she didn't write me. She posted on social media. She said, somebody should do this in Atlanta. I've been to one in another state and that's really cool. I think we should have one here. And I've always felt like as someone who is an entrepreneur (laughs) and a very DIY kind of person that if you say out into the ether that you think somebody should do something, you should probably be the one doing it. Like (laughs) I, I, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of somebody just saying somebody should handle this. I think somebody should be like, I should handle this, right. you know? And so I, I think I made a joking comment to her and I, I just said, yeah, maybe you should, you should do this. That would be cool. And so she sent me a message. I don't remember if it was the same day or not, but she's like, do you want to do this with me? Do you want to do a veg fest? <laughs> and I was like, my first thought was, oh no, 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 no. I really, really don't. I don't. I have an, I have an infant at home. I just closed the business. I am full of hormones. I don't know what even no. Um, and but my my real but my real answer to her was I can help you, but I don't want to be in charge. <laughs> so so that's what I said. I will help you, but I don't want to be in charge. Um, so eventually, I became fully in charge. <laughs> and um, she 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 meant well and she had really good intentions but life kind of got in the way for her and she had to um, move forward with her career and she she very respectfully bowed out which is fine but and it, it was during a time where we had already announced it was happening and we had set a date and I started getting nervous because I don't like putting things out in the world that don't and then pulling them back in mm-hmm. you know so I was like well I guess I'm doing this thing and I jumped in with both feet and um, I had asked some folks in the vegan community that I knew um, to kind of come on board with me as committee members so we could all do it together because I don't think anybody should do anything completely alone. You know, it's a, little, it's a bit much. And so um, my friend Brett, who used to run a, um, he used to run something in Atlanta called Vegan Drinks. Uh, Atlanta Vegan Drinks he used to have a meetup group that was active at the time in 2012. And so um he came on to be uh, to do marketing and communications because he's a, he has a journalism background, mm-hmm. and so he was the first one to come on. So for a while it was me and Brett, and I believe the next two to come on were uh, Seth and Elena, who are really great people. Um, they run a blog called Vegan ESP. It's like a, a Atlanta lifestyle blog, and they I knew they were active with other. Um, they were active with friends of animals and GARP and um, they also went to the vegan drinks meetups and things. And so we, we uh, asked them to come on board and they immediately came in to be volunteer coordinators. And that was really cool. And um, then yes, Adrian, uh, another friend who was running something at the time called crack the plates. It was a, uh, a website that focused on the best restaurants in Atlanta 
she came on with us to to do um, to handle our speakers because she's a very outgoing person and she speaks at conferences. So she was good at like handling speakers, where it's something that I couldn't necessarily do. So that was super fun. And then we uh, put out a call for a travel and accommodations coordinator. And we met, this was the only person I didn't know ahead of time, uh, Jennifer, my friend Jennifer now, she handles all the travel and accommodations for all of the uh, the speakers. So basically, I, I, I sat down with a piece of paper and said, this is what I'm good at. These are the things I could use help with. And I, you know, Brett and I kind of found people that we thought would be good to help us with the, those things. And now we're, we're all a big team. And uh, we have been since 2012. It's, it's really good. And now, as of the past few years, we have a, a committee member named Wes, who, um, who's a friend of mine, too, who helps with the, the technical direction. So I don't have to handle, like, when somebody needs their laptop to talk to a, a projector and things I don't need my headspace being taken up with. He's really awesome at that. So we're a full team, and we've been doing it since 2012, and it's grown a lot. That's remarkable. I, I mean, isn't it amazing when, like, I always say that, that when you really have your heart set on something and it's pure, the universe conspires. And it's just like, just here you talk about it. It's like you have this idea, even though it may be planted to you by, to, into you by somebody else, but you have this idea and you have this pure intention and things just fall into place and you find the people who will go on this journey with you. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm very grateful to have not taken the journey alone, um, especially for the day of the event. I do, I do quite a bit of the like groundwork through the year, um, but all of the people I mentioned on the board and committee uh, handle, they, they help with all of the decision making. No decision is ever made completely by me. Um, we all, we're, we're board governed, so everybody makes a decision. And the day of, everybody that I mentioned is also indispensable. Um, because I can't, I can't, I'm not a one, one woman show. I can't do everything on the day of, and I'm also, a pr I'm pretty highly introverted. So as much as I, I pour my heart and soul into VegFest and I love it, it, it's physically painful for me on the day of to have that many people in my face and I love it, but it's hard. So it's nice to have people there to help for sure. Yeah. That's amazing. And for, for the listeners, uh, if you want to see, because as I'm listening to you, I'm looking at all of the pictures of the board members that you mentioned, and you can see mm -hmm. them, uh, the pictures, the names, and all of their uh, bios on the website. It's atlantavegfest.com, and you can find all of it there. Uh, but yeah, that's remarkable. So what was the first event like? 2012 was super cool. Um, we had it at a location, uh, downtown called um, Ambient Plus Studio. It was a small warehouse space on the West End. And we were, I mean, we had no I real idea how many people would come to this. You know, you can start, you can, because we're not selling tickets, so we don't know. You know, this is it's supposed to be an event that's like a donation at the door because we want to encourage people to come and not feel like they have to, you know, pay money to come if they can't afford it. Um, so we opened it for free we were like, oh, maybe 300 people, you know, maybe it'll be 300 people. And it was, I mean, packed out. It was such a small space for it. We had no idea. Um, probably a thousand, I think maybe a thousand or 1200 people came to the first one, which we were just blown away. And it was so, oh my God. it felt really positive. Everybody was just super excited. Like people were just super pumped and it just felt really weird to have people just be so on board with something that we were doing and we spent so much time working and it just it was great the first year we had um some really cool speakers to um gosh who came in 2012 we had terry hope romero the cookbook author mm -hmm. um we had alicia simpson who uh is a nutritionist here in town but she's also um she also is a cookbook author, a vegan cookbook author. Uh, who else came that first year? We had, oh, Jenny Brown from uh, Woodstock Farm Sanctuary. We had, we had a really good lineup, and I was just really proud and happy that vendors wanted to participate. Um, so, yeah, the, the first year was super fun and gave us some good momentum to move forward. <laughs> That's remarkable. 1,200 people. That's amazing. And it, again, I'm sure the people were just as happy to hear that 
things like that are taking place. Um, and I feel like with uh, some of the community, like the vegan community, uh, and there, there are a few of other groups of people, but it's like, it, it's like, you don't know how many of them there are until you just gather them together in one place. And everybody is so excited and invigorated to see that they're part of something that's so much bigger than them. Um, I know I, 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 the way, what I'm thinking about is like going to some of my first plant-based conferences and that's exactly the feeling that I had. I was like, oh my God, all this time I thought that I was an alien and now there are like <laughs> thousands more people just like me and I'm not alone. And it just gives you so much more confidence and so much more power to, you know, to, to, to be more outspoken with your advocacy or to be more brave with your words and actions and standing up for what it is that you believe. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would absolutely say that it's contagious when you go to VegFest, especially for, for a newbie, you know, they can go and see people and, and realize that it's not a weird concept. And I, hopefully that's what I hope people are getting out of it, that they can, they can just see the general public there enjoying things and having fun. And it is a really nice thing. Yeah. So tell me from 2012 to 2019, what does the journey look like? What are some of the things that changed or maybe some of the things that got bigger, some of the things that you left behind? What, what has the journey been like since 2012? Oh gosh, you know, 2012, it felt like a fun ragtag, you know, independent little show that I just, I really liked the feel of, you know, um, and then as we grew, you know, we knew immediately we needed a bigger space. We couldn't go back <laughs> to ambient after that because it was just so big and it, it, was, it was a lot. So 2013, as much as I loved our speaker lineup, it was the, the worst possible venue. Like 2013 almost broke me. It was so, so hard to deal with, to deal with the, parking and the change and and just like I don't, I don't I can't even get into it it was so much but um but it's okay because we we moved to another location we kept hopping locations uh in 2014 uh we switched to Atlanta Metropolitan uh college and that was a lot better for us at the time. Our size was a lot better. And that was a really good space for a couple of years until we kept growing in, in numbers. Uh, you know, we were, we were into the 3000s at that point, you know, and so. And what we're looking at vendor wise in terms of numbers. So you're saying about 3000 attendees and how many vendors roughly? I would, I would say, if I'm remembering correctly, we had maybe at Metropolitan, we had room for about 68, 70 vendors. It was about 100 tables. It was before we did booths, people would just get a table. And um, I, I remember us stuffing 100 tables in there. And, you know, several vendors would have more than one table. It was just jam-packed. And, like, you know it's time to move when the, when the community starts complaining about it's, 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 it's uncomfortable, it's hard to park. It's, you know, we, we don't want people to have a bad experience. So once we start hearing those things, we try looking for something else. <laughs> um, and so as we kept growing, we just had a really hard time finding a venue that was actually in the city of Atlanta that was big enough enough for as many vendors as we wanted and for enough attendees because we knew our, our attendee count at this point and would also let our vendors sell food because we don't want to have VegFest even though it's not 100% about the food. We know that's what draws people in initially is the right. promise of delicious food. You can't have a VegFest without food. And it, it's surprisingly difficult to find a venue in Atlanta that will allow you to sell food. I have not thought um, about that. Yeah, it, I mean, and it's, it's funny because people will always write us and be like, well, have you tried the World Congress Center? Have you tried it? Yeah, we've literally called everybody like that. It, I've spent like two years trying to call every venue in Atlanta. Unfortunately, that catering contracts are involved um, and they just they don't like doing it. So uh, we were we moved it in 2015. Uh, 2016, 2017, and 2018, we moved it to the Cobb Civic Center, which was just outside of Atlanta in Marietta, Georgia. 
and the the first year that was a really great spot for us people were really happy um, vendors were happy attendees were like great space hope you stay here this is wonderful and then our account grew again <laughs> and so by the third year everybody's like this is uncomfortable parking's terrible you know so we uh we this year we moved to the infant energy center which is in duluth um also not in atlanta sorry i know we were called atlanta veg fest but it is metro atlanta and it is a enormous space it's going to take us years to grow out of this one i'm sure of it <laughs> well you Hopefully. never know so how how many how many attendees are you thinking um we're we're projecting over five thousand this year um oh we've we've ramped up our advertising we're doing billboards for the first time so I'm curious to see if that brings more in, but there there just seems to be more buzz this year too. So we're we're really we're really aiming for uh, over five thousand this year. Okay. Well, for those who are not local, um, Infinite is where Tony Robbins came when he was here. So I I think you should gather just as much people as he does. <laughs> <laughs> and you said you doubled your vendor count from last year. Yes, we're at about uh, 100. We have about 140 booths filled right now. So oh it's, it's a lot. It's, it's enormous. What are you seeing in, in terms of like variety of vendors? So there's going to be some food, some of the local restaurants, uh, maybe caterers. Uh, what else? Yeah, as far as in our exhibit hall, we do have a lot of really good uh, local favorites as far as restaurants. We also have um, bakers, uh, a lot of great desserts, um, but we also have body care products. We have uh, nonprofits who are there to talk about what they do. Um, let's see, manu food manufacturers, people who manufacture products. We have people that come in from other states. Uh, companies that sell their products in stores that want to showcase their products. We have uh, people who make t-shirts with with great vegan messages on it. Just anything that would be of interest uh, to vegans. We do try to keep it specific to vegans. We don't just, you know, let anything, you know, I, we try to be selective so that it is specifically to our mission, which is to to show people how easy veganism can be. So if it fits that mold, we we put it in um, the bookstores. We have we have several bookstores this year bringing vegan titles, so that's a lot of fun. Um, we do have a full vendor list on our website right now, um, so that can be helpful to people. Yeah, and you should really check it out. And also, if you look at the Instagram for Atlanta Veg Fest, they're doing a vendor spotlight, and you just see all this delicious pictures or like really cool pictures of the vendors and the things that they're doing the products that they're selling or sampling on it so it's 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 just amazing i i mean one picture is enough to make me want to go there but with all of this i, I think you should definitely gather up more than five thousand people oh i hope so i hope so and i what hope everybody has a fun time <laughs> oh i'm sure they will and there's also a number of speakers that are lined up um, so can you talk a little bit more about that kind of what, how, how is it happening? Is there like a separate stage that's close by or how are people hearing speakers as well? Well, so the forum at Infinite Energy Center is a conference center. So there is a separate exhibit hall from the conference rooms. Um, so that's great. The exhibit hall is where the vendors will be. But upstairs, there are three conference rooms. Um, one, we have, we have two rooms that are going to be with speakers, and then a third that's a smaller room that's going to have some work, workshops. Um, so it's, it's a, great, a great space for it. It's, it's actually perfect for having this kind of double whammy of having the, fun, the food and the fun, and then you can go and get, get some good presentations in. And the presentations really are, are the backbone of the event. Um, I know, like I said, I know a lot of people come just for the food, but we are a 501c3 nonprofit volunteer-run organization. And our ultimate goal with VegFest is to, to educate people on veganism. So we, we try to find the, the best speakers that can provide a variety of different topics that are, we, we want people that are um, respected sources we want them to focus on things like animal rights, long-term health, environmental impact, and less on trends and diets and self-promotion or short-term benefits. Like we w really want to stress the long haul 
with this lifestyle. We don't want people to be like, I want to lose 20 pounds. Let me go vegan for a minute. I, I, you know, so we, we do vet our speakers pretty well to make sure that they're reputable and they're, they're talking about things that we, we feel are, are a good focus for our event, a good fit for our event. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we, this year we have, um, gosh, do you want me to name the speakers or you just want me to talk more generally? <laughs> oh no, that's good. I mean, the, the one, the people that I'm recognizing that I'm really excited about, I know Leah Garces, of course, will be there. She's a president of Mercy for Animals and she recently released a book called Grilled about the chicken industry. Um, Ryan Bolzan, of course, he's the, um, uh, the direct the court events coordinator and a grassroots coordinator here for the Humane League, which is another nonprofit that fights for the rights of animals. Uh, I know Dustin Harder is, I believe, a chef. I know he has a cookbook that's amazing. That when I think he was at the uh, Veg Fest last year as well. And I know a few doctors as well uh, who are uh, who are going to be speakers. That which is I think also amazing just to have you know, medical professionals, uh, recognized evidence-based speaking on behalf of plant-based nutrition. A absolutely. We, we always want to have at least one medical source, um, for that reputable, you know, uh, just, just to have good information. Um, even Bill Muir, Sergeant Vegan, we have for the first time this year, he is a, a veteran and he is vegan and he's also a nurse. So it should be fun to hear him too. Oh, I, I had no idea. I was just looking and I made a note for myself to look into his profile because he looks interesting. But yeah, I had no idea. I'll, I'll definitely look at his work. That's amazing. What is the, what is the big vision uh, for the future going forward? Um, are you working on expansion? Are you thinking about adding anything or is it a secret? <laughs> Well, this, this year is our big expansion. This has been the big project to move to a large conference center where we can comfortably house many thousands of people who can come to this event and not feel uncomfortable and not feel crowded, but can also enjoy themselves. And it's been quite an undertaking because as you can imagine, it's a lot more expensive than the way we've been going in the past. Yeah. Um, and because we're volunteer run and we don't sell tickets, that's particularly tricky. Um, because all of the money that we pay towards the event is generally from the donations at the door the previous year and the vendor fees. Um, and between those two, each year we've been able to make it work and grow it a little more. But since we jumped such a, a big jump this year, um, it's, been, it's been a lot more costly. So the growing our attendance is imperative for sure. Um, but also it's imperative just for our mission because we want to reach as many non-vegans as possible just to get people interested and to plant seeds and to show people that it's okay to try these things. Um, just like I was saying, like through how I became vegetarian and then vegan, it was because somebody planted a seed and they weren't, you know, judgmental and they weren't, you know, I didn't feel a lot of pressure from people to do a certain thing. I just found my way because I was, I, I found the resources I needed and I want to make resources for people easier. You know, I want to provide these things so that they can, you know, make the decision that they, that they want to make, um, just to make veganism as easy as possible. So the more people we can get in the door really is, is what's going to do that. And if we can do it where people are comfortable coming and they also have a good time, that's ideal. Like, so, uh, growing our attendance numbers and, and, um, and just, making sure we continue to get really great speakers and um, having uh, the ability to showcase local uh, vegan companies is a really good thing too, because, yeah. you know, we have a lot of really great vegan companies in Atlanta and vegan friendly companies who are going to be showcasing their products and services and uh, people who, who travel from all over to, to come and showcase their products and services just to show people that they can spend their money within the community too. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And the thing that I love uh, so much about events like this that when we're separated and we're when we're sitting in our respective corners and don't know about each other, there's only this much we can do. But events like this that bring people together and both showcase to to the vendors how much support there is for their products, uh, maybe allows them to be more courageous and offering more. 
but for the community, just learning how much of us there are, you know, when we come out of our houses or apartments and coming together, I can only imagine how, how many meaningful new friendships or meaningful new partnerships are able to spark up and just coming together as a community and uniting with each other under the umbrella of the same goal when we're aligned in our values a little bit more to be just to make this world just a little bit more kind. I think to me, this is the beauty of events like this and the scale. Yeah. You, you can't, you can't deny the the good feeling you get when you're surrounded by people that are kind of like-minded. Like I don't think everybody should just always surround themselves with like-minded people because that's not realistic. And it's, it helps us all grow as people if we're, around a lot of people, especially people who have differing opinions than us, but there's no denying the, the, the good buzz you get when you're around just a lot of really great people at, a, at an event of like-mindedness. Yeah. Okay. So if you were to say, um, if we had an ask for listeners, how you can support this event. So I know there is a support kind of uh, sub page and on the website, if you wanted to make a donation, but really one of the best ways to support, I'd say, come, and then maybe bring a friend or a few and at least one non-vegan friend. <laughs> um, Would you and say? bring at least one non-vegan friend and donate at the door. Those are the two things I ask. Come, have fun, bring a non-vegan friend or family member and donate the door. And also uh, attend at least one presentation, I think is, is a good thing to ask too. I think that's very reasonable. Okay, that sounds good. So I think we, we, we did a good job covering Atlanta Veg Fest, and I want to be respectful of your time, but with the time that we have left, I still wanted to at least mention the other two gigs that you are um, involved with, and uh, those include the Tommy's Holiday Fund and Normalized Vegan. So maybe can you talk a little bit about Tommy's Holiday Fund? Sure. Um, Tommy's Holiday Fund is a 501c nonprofit organization. Um, and I'm, I serve on the board. I do not, I do not do any bulk of the work at Tommy's. That is Wes Allen and his wife, Julie. They're amazing people. Uh, they're friends of mine who started up Tommy's, uh, gosh, um, several years ago, more than, more than a few years ago. And what, what they do is they assist families and their companion animals with emergency services. Uh, particularly people with who, who are having financial issues. So say they have a companion animal uh, who is ill and they have no money and the animal could potentially die and they have to make a decision if it's money or their companion dying. Uh, they can call Tommy's and Wes and Julie will s- see how much funds they have to help the animal. But what, what Wes also does is he, he partners with veterinarians uh, to, to work out special deals um, to try to get the cost down. Um, he just, he really, he has to hear a lot of terrible stories and he works through it so well. And um, yeah, I serve on the board mostly as a support system. He he and Julie do run important questions by me for for guidance sometimes, but really I cannot claim Tommy's other than I'm I'm proud to be with them. Yeah, I was looking at their website and I'll include it in the show notes, but one of the things I found um, that really spoke to me, I mean, just the cause of it itself, of course, is so important and so touching and I, I, I cannot fathom the, um, the, the dilemma or, or the, I don't know, just the fire in your heart to have to make a decision between, you know, either if feeding your child or providing medical care for your pet. I mean, it just must be heartbreaking. But, and it's so great to see that there is something like this that, that helps you to work through issues like that. But what I found really refreshing um, and what spoke to me specifically was I see a lot in, this, uh, in the space of animal advocacy that some organizations kind of tend to focus on just one component. So usually it would be like just what we call pets, quote unquote, right? So let's say like cats and dogs, and then we completely disregard the other part while some other organizations are focusing more on farm animals but I found yeah. that uh, through the Thomas holiday fund on the little uh, button where it says how to help animals they also fold in and bring in veganism in it and they directly address the question that we love animals so much and obviously we're able to go to great lengths to uh, to pay for medical care for our cats and dogs but then if that is the case how does it make sense to eat 
some of the other animals and kind of ad addressing the species um, that, that we have going on today. So I just really appreciate that angle and uh, utilizing the platform uh, of Thomas Holiday Fund to also talk about vegan as a whole. I thought it was really good. Yeah, Wes, I have to give it to them um, because that is, it, it's, it's tremendous, really, because it, it, it answers, you know, it can show you with that old adage, why eat one and love the other. It's, it's true. There's no reason to support one and not be able to, um, you know, show the correlation uh, between, you know, extending your compassion to all animals, not just the ones that we allow to live in our home. Uh, and it's very important to the Allens that that, that that was a part of Tommy. So I do appreciate that for sure. Yeah. And uh, so in, in other uh, initiative that you're involved in, with, and it sounds like it's just kind of getting off the ground, is the normalized vegan. What is your, what is your vision for that? Where is that going? Normalized vegan is currently my pie in the sky, and I hope one day that it can actually take off. Yeah, it's, it's an idea that I came up with a few years ago that I am still very much excited about. I just haven't um, making a full, made a full run with it yet. But the ultimate goal um, that I want out of Normalized is for it to provide vegan-themed education that encourages the general public to consider veganism a viable lifestyle option. Uh, to make the term vegan more recognized and socially acceptable in the mainstream and to ultimately help prevent recidivism. Because, well, there's a few reasons. One, I don't, I don't mind the term plant-based. It's a perfectly fine term. But what I've noticed uh, as someone who's been vegan a long time, once plant-based came around, a lot of people started using it saying, oh, I'm not vegan, I'm just plant-based. Like they don't want to associate themselves with vegans because vegans to to those people may seem to have some sort of stigma attached like vegan being vegan automatically means you're a PETA supporter or being vegan automatically means you're going to throw paint on somebody wearing fur or you know what I mean it seems to have some sort of correlation to people and I I want people to understand that even though there's you know I'm not, I'm not saying anything negative about direct action at all I'm, I'm hey if you want to throw paint on fur more power to you. I'm just saying, I don't want people to correlate that with every vegan. I, I mm -hmm. want people to be okay with being vegan because that in itself is going to help prevent recidivism. If someone feels like they're being singled out in a negative way, they're less likely to keep doing what they're doing. Um, and I, I just, I don't want that. You know, I want people to be comfortable with their, with their compassionate choice and to not feel like they have to go back to eating animals because their family makes them feel weird or their friends make them feel weird. So normalize eventually what I'd like for it to be is I want it to be an umbrella for VegFest and for other events where uh, normalize would be me organizing events that inspire those interested in veganism, like including cooking demonstrations, presentations, music and entertainment events and more. Um, and potentially the future goal is to have a template created for certain events that individuals can create in their own city. Uh, and also to help cover the cost of speaking fees or travel and accommodations for prominent vegan speakers to present at events around the country like VegFest, college campuses and other nonprofit events. Because often other uh, organizers in other states and, and organizers here cannot cover the cost of hosting presenters who are prominent in the vegan community and who are respected due to limited funds. And, it, and it's reasonable. And presenters who often, you know, earn a living wage through their work tend to be put in an awkward position of being asked to work for free in order to help a nonprofit or will offer to speak for free but still need their travel expenses covered. Uh, so by helping to curb the cost to the nonprofit, this would allow the uh, important education to be provided by the speaker while allowing the speaker to have his or her cost covered. Uh, this would act as a grant that could be applied for by a nonprofit or an individual organizer. Um, so that's another goal I have from Normalize. Um, to launch a variety of restaurant campaigns nationwide to, to encourage more vegan options offered as permanent menu options. Um, I feel like at this point that's kind of being done pretty well. So I don't know if that's something that would definitely continue to normalize, but that, that was on my kind of wish list. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like we talked about before, to encourage vegan education from respected sources that focus on long-term long-term benefits instead of um, instead of diets, trends, and self-promotion. Um, that that's something I, I do on it because again, that that kind of ties back into will I will someone stay vegan? You know, if they're promised a magic pill that will cure all their ailments, are they going to stay with that lifestyle choice if they don't see those results? Um, so, you know, to encourage education from people who, who give it to who give it to you real, you know, veganism doesn't cure cancer, but hey, it can be pretty healthy. And here's how, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, and, and also, you know, Normalize, I'm hoping to create a content-rich website eventually that can serve as a resource for new and seasoned vegans around the world. So that's, that's the goal. Um, I have done um, very little of this, but that's the goal. <laughs> so thank you for asking about it. Um, yeah, that's, that's my pie in the sky. That's amazing. That's amazing and so needed, too. And, yeah, to, I think – helping people uh with the structure and the template as you said as as an approach because i feel like there's so much energy right now and so much motivation especially from with like uh recent freshly uh, freshly transitioned vegans when there is all of that energy that a lot of it sometimes is just transferred into anger and frustration at non-vegans <laughs> Right, that way, right. It can be poured <laughs> into the templated organization of events. <laughs> this is how you're getting it. <laughs> yes. Ch- channel that anger and make it into something else, right? <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. And I mean, honestly, a lot of times that's that's what I do with mine because I, I, I've been there. I, I remember like the moments of you know, coming to grips with the truth that there is there and then the cruelty that animals get treated with. And you just like, you know, you don't, you don't know what to do with it other than like stand on top of the mountain and yell to everybody and their grandmother that they should go vegan. But obviously it's not constructive and it's not constructive to be hostile to people because you create an environment where people just want to be defensive and argue their point of view instead of relaxing into curiosity and be able to consider a, your point of view or consider a, a different way. So poor, channeling your anger into more productive approach is a great thing to do. And if you were to create resources for that, I think it could be so helpful. Yeah, I, you have, a, that's a great point you made, you know, just uh, instead of, you know, coming at people in their face, you know, there's a way to approach people to, like you said, let let them lean into their curiosity. Um, You know, I've always looked at advocacy. There, there's a place for all of all types of advocacy in the vegan community. I I fully uh, am on board with that. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you've read Mark Hawthorne's Striking at the Roots. I have not. Um, That's a book I recommend. Um, because the the choice of advocacy that I'm choosing to do is what I'm most comfortable with and it's what I feel I'm better at. But on, on that route, you know, there needs to be a lot of different types of advocacy striking on it in order to bring it down. And, you know, there is, I'm okay with direct action as far as, you know, as, as long as it's not harming anybody. Um, I'm, I'm okay with, you know, Marches is awesome, uh, you know, protests, amazing. Um, I love all of it. I just, this, this is what my, uh, this is my side of the route. You know, I, I like to approach people uh, with a, hey, you want to try this? And if you have any questions, let me know. That's just what I'm most comfortable with. And I think everybody should approach what they're most comfortable with and do that, even if it's, you know, like using that anger that you said, because that's usually where, you know, some of the more harder stuff comes in on on one side of the route, you know, but that's fine. If that's what fuels you, go for it. Um, I feel like if you're using your anger for your advocacy, you're eventually going to burn out quicker, <laughs> um, I would think, but uh, who knows, you know, if if it keeps your fire burning, whatever, whatever helps you. Yeah, I agree with you in terms of that there is a place for every kind of activism. I absolutely agree with you on that. I think, but I also think you make a really good point that it's not that 
it's not that coming from a place of anger is necessarily ineffective. I think it could be very effective, uh, especially in the world that we live today, uh, the actions that make a little bit more splash sometimes get a little bit more publicity. And sometimes that's what's needed and that's fine. But um, I, I spoke to uh, Bobby Saad in my previous episode and he put it into words so beautifully. And he just said that, um, that you can either come at veganism from a place of love or from a place of hate. And from a place of hate can still be effective. It's just, it will, it's just, it hurts the person who is doing the activism and coming from a place of love, as you said, it's just more sustainable and it also feels better inside. Yeah, I, I agree with him there for sure. Um, because, uh, you know, to be honest, I get pretty negative. I'm sure you do too, because you can't unknow things. Yeah. You know, once you learn about some of the horrors, you can't unknow them. You can't unlearn them. And you want to shake people and you want to say, come on, let's, let's learn more. Why are you still not on board with this? But that's not real. You know, I, I just think back to 17 year old me who had no money and didn't know what to do. So I ate a box of granola bars in my car because I didn't want to eat bacon. You know, you have to be compassionate to people and you have to meet them where they are. You can't just assume everybody is phys physically, mentally, financially able just to jump in where you are at your point in your veganism. Um, so compassion and uh, some empathy can really go a long way with that stuff. Yeah. Um, Lee, I know we, we talked about it uh, a little bit at the beginning and through the conversation, but if you were to summarize and reflect on where you first came from when transitioning to vegetarian and vegan diet and what motivated, motivated you then and then what motivates you today, what would you say? Uh, what motivated, you know, I guess, I guess what's motivating me today is thinking, of, thinking back on those days, um, like I just mentioned, and just meeting people where they are, because I, I get it, I get caught up in, in vegan stuff too, where I'm like, why, why are people still eating fish? Why does this person say they still eat fish? Like, why can't they just give up fish? And I, I, I do have to step back and remind myself that everybody has to be on board. You can provide information without coming at people, you know, without making people feel terrible. Um, so I feel like what I'm doing with VegFest is, Providing information in a non-confrontational non -confrontational way as just a, a pleasant everyday festival experience, just like you would do if you went to a, a beer festival or a music festival. You're just going to a festival with some food. You might get an ice cream sundae that happens to be vegan, and that's really cool. And if you're open enough to try that, you might be open enough to learn about some things. You might be open enough to pick up a brochure or two from one of the organization tables. Um, so I think, you know, looking back at, at my lengthy journey, I know um, I just try to have that kind of compassion for people now and give people a break. And, I, and, you know, I try, I just try to do that every part of my life too, not even just with veganism, but just if somebody's angry, there's usually a reason. It's almost never about you, you know? You have to understand that people are going through really tough stuff every single day and, you know, just reminding myself of that and, you know, knowing that people are going to, to come to their decision at their own time and all you can do is present the information in a reasonable manner and that's, that's your goal. You can't change people's minds, but you can, you know, help them along the way. Yeah, this is so true. Yeah. Um, Lee, I thank you so much for your time. I have one more question that I usually close up with, but before that, I wanted to see if there's anything else that we haven't talked about that you wanted to mention. Uh, I don't think so. I think we, we covered a pretty good amount of stuff, and I sure appreciate you talking with me about it. 
Absolutely. No, I, I, I think we did as well. Okay. So the name of the podcast is follow your kind. Uh, and, uh, I, I like to explore the value of kindness for the people I admire like yourself. And, uh, and my hope is that maybe others will, uh, consider trying on that value of kindness for themselves, or at least maybe give uh, a little bit of thought to what kindness means in their life and to follow it more often. So what is your definition of kindness? Oh, you know, I, I think I've used the word a few times now, but I'll use it again. I think compassion is a, a pretty um, strong route to kindness. Mm-hmm. Um, when I would think about it previously, I think I used to say that empathy was, but the more, the longer I live, <laughs> the more I'm on this earth, the more I realize that uh, empathic distress is like real and it can eventually give you negative health consequences and just be terrible for the mind if you if you take everything on in an empathetic way. Um, I'm not saying empathy is a bad thing, but as someone who considers themselves an empath, I think um, looking at some something and someone with compassion leads you more to kindness where you can just say, someone is different than me. They're not gonna make the same decisions as me. I'm gonna be compassionate to their situation and just be kind to them. I'm not, I'm not going to be rude to them because they're making a different choice than I am. I'm going to show them compassion and realize that uh, they're going to come to something on their own. So I would say uh, kindness is, is compassion. That's gonna be my basic answer to that. Is that okay? Is that one for Absolutely. <laughs> okay. That totally counts. Lee, thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for all the work that you do for the community uh, in Atlanta, nationally and internationally. And I wish you the best of luck with all of your endeavors, including Normalized Vegan. And I cannot wait to see you at Atlanta Veg Fest. Thank you so much, Christina, for having me. It was so wonderful. Thank you.